0: There are so many beautiful Christmas hymns. We know that for some reason they touch our hearts, and there's one that especially speaks to me during this time of year. The words and music is of a Christmas hymn that was written back in the time of the Civil War by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It's not all that well known. It's one that was written during the terrible days of the Civil War, But it seems to touch me the most. I seem to always get a catch in my throat when I hear it. Three of the verses go like what he's going to share with us at this time. Imagine those words being written during the Civil War. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow gives us a hint of the challenges that were taking place and the hurts that were being experienced in this time. But then peel the bells, it says. The message rang through of what Christmas was all about, what Christmas is truly all about. That God is not dead, nor does He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, good will to men. It is a message of hope that we are talking about. It is a message of victory that we share when we refer to the time of year of the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. We have a message that we are to re-gift, not because we are not happy with the gift, that we are so happy with the gift we want other people to know what that gift is all about, and they would share as well. It was also during that same Civil War, one of the oldest colleges in the United States, the College of William and Mary, in historic Williamsburg, was left in ruin. After the war, it struggled to continue on, but finally the doors were closed. And for seven years, there were no college classes. There were no faculty to teach. There were no students to learn. The rain dripped through the decaying roof of the deserted buildings. But every morning during those seven years, through the summer sun and the winter snow, the college president went into the chapel and rang the tower bell so that the people of Williamsburg would know that the college was still there. He refused to quit. He wouldn't give up, and he won. The College of William and Mary has celebrated now over 325 years of existence as the oldest college in the United States of America. The bells sounded and reminded a message of presence And a message of purpose and a message of life. Now, let's go to the Bible to a time when the northern kingdom of Israel had been laid waste and its people carried away into captivity. The southern people of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, with Jerusalem as its capital, was under attack but had not yet been conquered. But to many of the people, they seemed that things were over. They thought that God had turned his back on them, and it was in that sad and depressing atmosphere that the prophet Isaiah lived. You've heard of Isaiah and the prophet, but he was one who did not have his hope. He did not have his faith dimmed or shaken. God spoke through him. And in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, he speaks about the coming of the Messiah. Verse 2 says to us, as we rediscover this message, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And then in verses 6 and 7, This is about 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. Isaiah wrote this prophecy concerning the Messiah. He said, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, the government being on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it just with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As I said, these words came at a time when the Jewish people, the majority had lost all hope. They had no idea of what could happen, how they could turn things around as the nation of Israel. But in the midst of the despair, God brought about a clear and certain message. The bells rung. They were able to rediscover the message that God was alongside. And in Isaiah's words still spring forth a special message, and they ring the true message of the reality that God is with us. So we're going to take a closer look today at the reality that God is alongside and that he provides for us. We know the account very simply. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. That's Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Think for a few moments with me what that word given means. The reality that it was not something that was deserved. It was not something that was earned. It was something that we receive freely. 700 years before it all happened, Isaiah said that Jesus would be the very gift from God to us. And that is exactly what John chapter 3, verse 16 says, and we're familiar with that. We don't always think of it as a Christmas passage, but it truly is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave Jesus as a gift to us. And thinking through the sermon schedule, and it was my opportunity to preach, I know that I looked at the account, and Jim said, would you preach the one on the prophecy? And I said, absolutely. But on the other hand, I, I wasn't all that excited about it, because I've done it before. I've read these passages, I've shared these passages, you've heard these passages, And yet, when I started getting into them, once again, they were fresh and new and as exciting as the first time I read them, because I realized what they were saying to us. For the reality, that a child is born, a son is given, God loves us and cares for us, and has given us a message of hope and life. Listen to Peter as he boldly proclaims this time when he and John were arrested and threatened by the leaders of the Jewish Sanhedrin. They were being punished for the crime of healing the lame man at the gate of the temple in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter responded to them that had put him under arrest and very simply said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And no one else can salvation be found. That's powerful. I get goosebumps thinking about that. For in all the world, no other name has been given to men but this, and it is by this name that we must be saved. And in the message of the time of Christmas is the reality that God has provided for us, that which we could not provide for ourselves, a message of Forgiveness, a message of salvation. It is not found anywhere else. The most important thing to remember this time of year and the time of Christmas, as special as it is, it's not that an angel of the Lord came to shepherds who were watching their flocks by night or that suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. That's pretty special, don't get me wrong. The most important thing to remember is not that Jesus was born in a stable or that the shepherds saw him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It's not even the fact that there was a miraculous star months later that led the wise men to the place where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were living. These are all glorious things. These are special things. These are things that we do want to remember, but please understand the most important thing to remember and the message of Christmas is this account that says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We are to worship Jesus Christ, our Savior, and our Lord. Now, of all the gifts that you and I receive at Christmas time, Jesus Christ and the salvation He gives us is by far the most precious gift we will ever receive. I tell you, when I was thinking about re-gifting, I couldn't. Uh, well, my my mind went back to childhood days. We grew up in uh, pretty poor circumstances. We never knew it, but we we had some financial challenges as uh, as a family. Well, one year, Mom helped me buy some. Aftershave for my my dad. Old Spice. You can picture the bottle. Every time I still smell Old Spice, Old Spice, I think of my dad. But I gave it to my dad that one Christmas years ago as, as a child. And months later, I found it in the closet unopened. Now, For some reason, that didn't bother me, because I told Mom, leave it there, and at Christmas time, I'm going to wrap it up, (laughs) give it to Dad again. He probably is too old to remember. He was probably in his 30s at that point, but uh, I was willing to take the chance. I did, and he opened it up just like he'd received it for the very, very first time. And I was excited. But when we think about what God has provided for us, the gift that he's provided for us, it is a reality that this gift is one that we have opened for the very first time every time we remember it to realize that it is the most precious thing we'll ever receive. It goes on and talks about the reality that he shall govern. He's the Prince of Peace. The second bell that is rung in regard to this verse is found in these words and the government will be upon his shoulders and of his government and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end verse 7 During that first chaotic hectic Christmas frightening Christmas God said I will give you peace and I guess the question I asked for you all today and perhaps I ask and I was looking at it myself Is this going to be a peace-filled Christmas for us? When you look at the challenges that we face, Visa, MasterCard come all too quickly in regard to our mailbox and bills pile up. Do we have financial peace? With relatives coming over, do we have family peace? With friends scheduled, do we have relational peace? With depression on the rise, do we have emotional peace? We flip on the news and we hear about All the things that are taking place, is there world peace? I once saw a sign on a car, a bumper sticker that very simply said, I'd kill for a Nobel Peace Prize. Anyway, I kind of yiked when I saw that. You walk into the mall, you're looking for that special gift. Obviously, there's peace there in all the situations that take place. And there was, and we we need to understand, there was a peace of sorts that was taking place when Jesus was born. It was a peace that was under military rule. It was a peace that if you stepped out of line, you'd be thrown into prison. It was a peace that if you did anything that would go against the government, you could have lost your life rather quickly. The Roman Empire was unfortunately a very heavy-handed peace, but the peace that we want is expressed in the words of Jesus. The peace I give you, and in the announcement of the angels to the shepherd, we know peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Jesus is the prince of peace. It is one that is not dependent upon world governments. That's not dependent upon the challenges of health or financial challenges. It is one that we have because of a relationship with, With Jesus Christ. This passage also said he's a wonderful counselor. Now, in the Bible, this is a special Greek word called paraclete. It's translated as advocate or comforter. In the Greek classic, it means a counselor or one who stands by your side. And I know as we think about it, if we would just have Jesus giving us the advice, what kind of life we would be able to experience. To know that the challenges that we face, we we would have somebody that would be there in our corner and be advising us. Now, I would be willing to say that we are far better at dishing out advice than we are receiving it. Now, maybe that's not true of you. Maybe it's just me. But I, I think we find ourselves in that way. William Alger, who said, we give advice by the bucket, but we take it by the grain. Because we seem to know better. As you're thinking about advice, I would ask you, what, what's some of the best advice that you've ever received? Kind of let that come to mind for a minute. What's the best advice, advice that you've ever given? Would you give it again? I know a couple of young people were asked one time what kind of advice and understanding did they have of life around them? And one very wise man by the name of Andrew, age nine, said puppies still have bad breath even after eating a Tic-Tac. That was his advice. That's not going to take care of it. Kyoto, age nine, said never hold a hairdryer and a cat at the same time. I, I have experienced that. I would agree with that. Amir said in age nine, you cannot hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. That was his understanding that that could not take place. And I guess one of my favorites was by Joel, age 10, said, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. (laughs) What's the best advice that we've ever received? Well, truly, the best advice that we've ever received means for us to know a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The best is the best. We know that the idea of counselor is commonly used to describe one who helps you, one who defends you, one who advises you, one who strengthens you, one who pleads for you. All through the Bible we see God's ability and willingness to do just that for us, for anybody who would let him. It's like an open invitation from God, because it is an open invitation from God. He says, if you want to be led, I will lead you. Mary and Joseph were willing to be led by God. He counseled them about the coming of Christ, and he warned them through the messengers that the baby Jesus was in danger from King Herod, and they made a trip away to provide and protect. The shepherds were guided by the angels so they could find their way to Jesus, and later we read about the wise men, as I mentioned before, who were led by God to the Christ child. Over and over, God provides for us, and he proves his willingness and his ability to lead anyone who is willing to follow him. We see the reality, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This is the part of what the message is said as well an Everlasting Father. One of the reasons that Jesus left heaven was to come and live among men, to reveal unto us that God is a God of power. If we studied the Bible and came to know the life of Christ and how he lived and concluded that he was an anemic, weak deity, we have missed the point. If that were true, I would not be up here and I would not expect you to be here because that is not what we are doing in regard to our worship and our allegiance to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I share with you very simply, we don't need a weak God. We've got plenty of weak gods. We've got all we need. God of possessions is a weak God, and it can't do everything. The God of fame can't do everything. The God of achievement can't do everything. The God of the intellect cannot do everything. We don't need a weak God. They simply won't do. So what do we do? We listen to the ancient prophet Isaiah again, who's told us, God's son is the mighty God. He has all the strength that we will ever need. When he shared with us that he was going to conquer death in the grave, he had the power to do it. When he was going to go and restore sight to the blind, he was able to do it. The ability to walk to the lame, to raise Lazarus from the dead, He had the ability to do it. There was no weakness in Jesus Christ for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We realize that in the message of the cross, we see one who was not weak and who was not caught. He was strong, powerful, and yet he placed himself in our place to take our punishment for us. But God is not only a God of power, he is a God of love and tenderness. He's an everlasting father, unchanging, steadfast. To realize that if we realize that God has provided for us, we can see that he is one who is one everlasting, one in whom we can place our trust. If we would piece together all the pictures that Jesus painted of, of God, we would have a portrait of a loving Heavenly Father, one whose power and might would never be that which we would fear. Respect, yes, but as a child it would be a mighty God who is an everlasting friend. Hopefully, as we look at this passage, we can have a new understanding and appreciation of what God has provided for us, to realize that the longing in our hearts, the longing in our lives is that things never change, but they do. We grow older. The world grows older. Challenges take place around us. But this passage has the reality that when it comes to God's love for us and his message for us and his hope for us, that it is an everlasting hope that we have. It's finally a place that never changes. We're in a world of all kinds of dizzying pace of of changes Amazing when we see the technology that just seems to continue to, to grow and to move forward. I thought it was funny, one of the uh, complaints and some of the technology was that the Amazon Lexus or Siri or whichever it was, Billy, I don't know what the name is, of the little device that sits on your table that it not only said that the package came for Christmas. Did you hear that? But it said what was in the package and told the children what their gift was going to be for Christmas. It's always changing. But what we share as the message of Christ never changes We know that our need for God never changes. Our message of God's grace never changes. It's a longing of the ones who have been created to connect with our creator, and that never changes. But the message is given to us and provided for us as the angel reminded us that they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that never changes. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the message of the salvation that only you can provide. Thank you for the hope and life that we know through the message of the cross and the empty tomb. But it began with the coming of your son. It began with you loving the world and giving your begotten son. Today in this place, we thank you that we're able to remember the one who is and was and always shall be if there are those today dear father that have yet to respond to that message of the cross made today and now be that time to believe to know that unchanging truth that we have sinned and fallen short but we know that the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus as we share as we reflect May you touch the hearts through your word with the reality that you provide and you love. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.